Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Kanye West, now known as Ye, is one of the best-selling musical artists in the world. He's also in recent years become a celebrated and very highly paid fashion designer. And of course, for a decade, he was well known to TV audiences as an in-law of the Kardashian family. Days ago, during Fashion Week in Paris, West, accompanied by his friend Candace Owens, unveiled a t-shirt that read simply, White Lives Matter. The response from the fashion industry and international media was instantaneous and uniform. Shock, horror, rage. What was strikingly missing from the coverage, however, was any explanation for why West did this. What was the t-shirt about? I think I started to really feel this need to express myself on another level when Trump was running for office and I liked him. Yes. And every single person in Hollywood, from my ex-wife to my mother-in-law to my manager at that time to you know my my so-called friends slash handlers around me told me like if i said that i like trump that my career would be over that my life would be over uh they said stuff like people get killed for wearing a hat like that they threaten my life they put my life they basically said that i would be killed for wearing the hat so you made reference to the white lives matter t-shirt mm -hmm. which you brought out at Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. Why, why did you do that and what did it mean? God is like preparing us for the real, for the real battles. And we are, we are in a battle with the media. Like the majority of the media has a, a godless agenda and the jokes are not working. This whole like, oh yeah, he's crazy and all these things, they don't work because the media has watched travesties happen, just even specifically to me. You know, my dad is an educated, ex-Black Panther, he put a text to me today, he said, White Lives Matter, ha, 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 ha. And I said, I thought the shirt was a funny shirt. I thought the idea of me wearing it was funny. And I said, Dad, what do you think it was funny? He said, just, just a black man stating the obvious. You know, people, they're looking for an explanation and people say, well, as an artist, you don't have to give an explanation, but as a leader, you do. Yes, I think that's right. So the answer to why I wrote White Lives Matter on a shirt is because they do. It's the obvious thing. Okay, so two things have happened since I've been gone that maybe I was wrong about Tucker Carlson. Or maybe, yet again, I'm on the verge of madness. Edgar Allan Poe madness, William Burroughs, Lower East Side, sniffing fucking amol nitrate, Britney Spears, bald baseball bat fucking mad. Kanye West sits down for an interview with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. This is great. This is a sign of something, a sign of a new day, a new phase of political and cultural insanity. Tucker Carlson, Kanye at war with Puffy, I mean, I saw another video where Tucker Carlson was giving a speech at Sonny Barger's funeral, the head of the Hells Angels. I'm so confused now. But I have an idea. Let's all get fucking distracted from the real shit that's going on in communities across America with gun violence, the criminal justice system, the environment, possibly a nuke from Vladimir. I mean, the list goes on, but hey. Let's talk about a White Lives Matter t-shirt that Kanye wore at Paris Fashion Week. It's a great idea. Let's get back to business here and some more serious stuff. As Ukraine succeeds on the battlefield, 
Vladimir Putin is becoming embarrassed and pushed into a corner. And I wonder, Mr. President, what you would say to him if he is considering using chemical or tactical nuclear weapons. Don't. 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 It will change the face of war unlike anything since World War II. And the consequences of that would be what? I'm what would the U.S. response be? Do you think I would tell you if I knew exactly what it would be? Of course I'm not going to tell you. It'll be consequential. They'll become more of a pariah in the world than they ever have been. And depending on the extent of what they do, will determine what response would occur. It's a good thing that I still read. And I try and read everything. I'm the guy who every time I get on an airplane, I still buy 12 magazines to read articles and try and understand what the fuck is going on inside different segments of society. So I can promise you, I will continue to source ideas and stories for you and make it easy on you so you don't have to read. Just listen to this podcast to understand the new political climate we find ourselves in and track the important stuff, the stuff that actually matters. So that next time Cousin Andy tries to spout off about a conspiracy theory inside a pizza parlor, you'll have some ammunition to throw back at him, some hot takes to throw at him. I'm here to help out. And at Trump Mafia, we are still on track to find out if Donnie Trump will head to a federal prison near you. And meantime, a U.S. intelligence review reveals Russia has spent at least $300 million on foreign political campaigns around the world since 2014, with the goal of weakening democratic systems in at least two dozen countries. And a new report from The New York Times detailing the various ways in which Russian trolls attempted to interfere with one of the largest single-day protests in U.S. history, the 2017 Women's March in D.C. Much of it done via social media, Russians posing as Americans trying and succeeding in sowing discord and division. I've been told that no one reads these days, that we've all become lazy, entitled pricks that scroll Instagram and TikTok for our news. Or maybe you're like some parents I know who play Fox News during the day in the living room. And we all know that guy on Facebook. You know that guy. Posting from obscure news sites that are most likely undercover Russian intelligence assets, who have become very good at developing just made-up shit that your grandmother and cousins argue about virtually, or, if you're lucky, over the dinner table. Talking about racism. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know who went on a social media rant this weekend claiming that Mitch McConnell has, quote, a death wish for supporting Democratic back bills. His team says he only meant it in a political sense. But he also made racist comments about Mitch McConnell's wife in that same rant. He's a racist. Mm -hmm. He continues to make racist comments. He continues to make homophobic comments because he's a homophobe. He continues to do all this. I mean, it's not as if he's come undone. Mm -hmm. This is who he is. Yeah. And it's just we're seeing it in all its glory. And what, what he said about Elaine Chow, who was born in Taiwan, was yeah. must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. Now, let me remind Donald Trump, because obviously what he's trying to do here is say that those of us who are Americans born somewhere else mm -hmm. are not as American, are right. not at the same level of Americans. Right. Let me remind him that he's married two women. One was born in Slovenia and the other one was born in Czechoslovakia. Mm -hmm. Now, something that I feel important and something we need to track is a story playing out behind the scenes of our nation's capital. And that parlor game is what could be the showdown that is coming between Donald Trump 
and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. See, my gut is telling me a few things. That maybe this is the fight we really want as a country. And DeSantis is a man who, for lack of a better word, has the balls and the guts to go toe-to-toe with Donnie T. Now, if you thought the last election was crazy and fodder for late-night comedy, a showdown between DeSantis and Trump? Boy, oh boy, reminds me of Fraser Ali. But do we want this? But big picture for someone who, you know, might just be tuning in to what is happening in your state, what is DeSantis up to? Well, Alicia, if you were to take The Handmaid's Tale, George Orwell's 1984 Fahrenheit 950, and uh, the movie Scarface thrown in a blender, you'd come out with DeSantis's Florida. I mean, it is the bizarro America, anti-America fascist project. It's happening in action. It's really been taking place over these last four years. But as DeSantis is now scrambling and doing everything in his power to try and recapture momentum for the 2024 uh, nomination for the Republican Party, You're just seeing him do whatever he wants. uh, And he's really seemingly doing it with a sense of impunity outside of some of these court decisions. But right now, uh, it is DeSantis unhinged, and he's doing whatever he wants, despite what the Constitution or even the public opinion polls say what the voters are looking for, Alicia. He is uh, MAGA unhinged, and this is all in service of the base, base service work, if you will. Uh, And that's why he has taken every opportunity to align himself with that extreme right-wing perspective, even if it means aligning himself with some of these candidates who uh, represent the most extreme positions of the Republican Party and put him at odds with what you might think is a general election audience. Under the theme that no one reads, I went in search of some source material, some material that would give me perspective on DeSantis. I don't know really too much about him or what his views are. On paper, seems like he's a guy who most Republicans would be okay voting for. He seems safe. I mean, Idi Amin kind of feels safe as of right now after Trump. My source material for this research was a journalistic institution I think does important work and still keeps up some journalistic integrity, and that is the New Yorker magazine. In an article that Dexter Filkins did on DeSantis a few months ago. See, Dexter is an esteemed journalist, a true war reporter, who has covered both the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And inside the article he did, there was a few things that caught my attention that I want to talk to you about. Now, Ron DeSantis did make the first move in the COVID wars and decide that he wasn't locking down shit in Florida. So... I know that a few of my friends headed south, did some partying, acted normal, and caught COVID-19 a few times. But the jury is kind of out, right, of what we face here. But he did draw a line in the sand, which, not for nothing, means something. Surrounded by doctors and nurses, the governor today dispensed some medical advice of his own on how to fight COVID-19. We are not going to indulge in any of the insanity that you see starting to happen again in some of these parts of the country. 
DeSantis and his Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Lapido, ridiculed blue states like New York that have imposed mandatory shots, vaccine passports, and masking. This is how you should manage a pandemic. You, rep you, you respect human rights, you respect the freedom of choice. Really important, right? We've got a national agenda, national leadership, trying to convince people that they don't get to make choices. As for testing, now in high demand, the governor says it's of limited value. I don't think there's any evidence that mass testing of healthy people um, has done very much to interrupt any of these seasonal waves. The governor did not express any particular concern over this current spike in COVID cases. More than 8,700 new cases just today. Governor says it's seasonal and the numbers will go up before they come down. In the meantime, more than 62,000 Floridians have died of COVID-19. I kind of like this next paragraph and maybe just maybe in our world of press hungry and media vultures, for a president, this could actually work. Here's what's written about DeSantis in the media. DeSantis revels in defying what he sees as a corrupt and self-satisfied liberal establishment. Those who work closely with him say that he is unique among elected officials in his disregard for public opinion and the press. A Republican consultant who knows him told Filkins in this article, and I quote, Ron's weakness as a politician is that he doesn't give a fuck. Big donors doesn't give a shit. Cancels on them all the time. Sounds good to me so far. I mean, can we have another president who enjoys sending out firebomb tweets or is okay running off at the mouth, defying social conventions and just plain decency? I don't think we can handle that. A new piece by Jonathan Chait for New York Magazine this weekend entitled Normal. Republican Ron DeSantis wants to lock up Anthony Fauci, questions whether the Florida governor really is the saner replacement for Donald Trump on the 2024 Republican presidential ticket. Chait notes the following, quote, there is a large wing of the conservative elite that thinks of the Republican Party as the parents of a wayward teen might think about their child, a good kid who was doing okay until he was led astray by falling in with the wrong crowd. The obvious flaw in their analysis is that the party is not okay. DeSantis turns out to be a case study in the institutionalized nature of its insanity. He has been obsessively promoting anti-vaccine kookery, including appointing an anti-vaxxer as his state's top health official. And now he's sending out a fundraising email calling for Dr. Anthony Fauci to be jailed. You know, in the past month, Ron DeSantis raised $6 million for his reelection. Uh, his opponents, Charlie Crist and Nikki Fried, combined raised a million dollars. Uh, he is lapping them. I hate to say this, and I don't want to be Nostradamus, but on paper, DeSantis is probably checking a lot of boxes for a lot of people in the heartland of this country. But I do wonder if we trade Donnie for Ronnie, is Ronnie crazy enough for the far right? How do those mouth breathers who believe in QAnon and that Hillary Clinton was running a child slavery ring, how do they feel? Because, as we know, all you have to do is take a look at the pictures of some of those people who stormed the Capitol 
And it's obvious as little kids, they might have killed some squirrels and are okay eating muskrat, but I digress. That was the candy company. It's just announced that it's redesigning its cartoon characters to be more gender inclusive. The green M&M, you will notice, is no longer wearing sexy boots. Now she's wearing sensible sneakers. I'm not sure what happened that made him so obsessed with the sexuality of cartoon candy mascots and wanting to have a drink with them. But good news, we may have finally found a green M&M more up Tucker Carlson's alley. Hello there. Now, calm down, Tucker. This is, of course, just a Photoshop done by some rascal on the internet today. It is one of many going around right now mocking Ron DeSantis and his fancy white boots. DeSantis, known lately as stunt governor of Florida, doesn't seem to make a move that isn't designed to get media attention to position himself for 2024. The brand that he is very effortfully trying to project is a tough-talking, anti-establishment maverick hero of his own movie, Top Gov. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. It is no surprise that Top Gov has been seeking out macho photo ops as he travels around Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian. On Sunday, he showed up in DeSoto County for a boat tour of the flooding, surrounded by security and camera crews wearing a blue vest with his name on it. But it was not the vest that had the internet abuzz, it was those fantastic shiny white boots that stole the show, became a bonanza for internet jokester. Immediately DeSantis and his boots made for walk-in was compared to Nancy Sinatra. The Photoshop troublemakers got in on the action too, imagining the governor as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Of course, the green M&M before, they took away all of her sex appeal. Now Ron DeSantis in these. Mainstay seen how the DeSantis go-go boots will go down in political history. But for a guy trying to be seen as a formidable powerhouse, I'm not sure this helps. Critical race theory, Fauci and dystopia, uncontrolled immigration, big tech, left-wing oligarchs, Soros-funded prosecutors, transgender athletes, and the corporate media. This is what DeSantis likes to banter about. And again... The best analogy I can come up with is the old three-card Monty Tricksters in Times Square. Slide a hand, look over here as our country fucking burns, and let's talk about all these other topics at the end of the day, leave you scratching your head. Meanwhile, every day the core issues of our country, the real engines of our dystopia, are ignored. I'm at a point where I throw up my hands. DeSantis, sure. Does it matter anymore? In January of 2025, Donald Trump is going to show up for the inauguration whether he wins or not. You and really that's believe a real that? Problem. We've, I totally believe You think that. he's going to run again? He's definitely going... Of course he's going to run again. Are you kidding? He thinks about nothing but. It's everything he loves. It's, it's a fight. It's revenge. Uh, he hasn't given up on the last... He hasn't conceded the last election. Of course he's going to run again. And if he does, it'd be very hard to deny him the nomination. I mean, his fans are rabid. Now, much less of the Republican Party wants him as the standard bearer than last time. But good luck trying to take it away from him. Uh, we know what kind of a gutter fighter he is when he gets into a scrap. So good luck with that, DeSantis. Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking about on my show tonight, uh, it's a very strange paradox that's going on with Joe Biden right now. I notice that when I talk to friends, the first thing out of their mouth about Joe Biden is, 
well, he shouldn't run again. And then you say, well, do you think he's doing a good job? He's doing great. <laughs> uh, would you prefer somebody other than Biden? Like who? Name somebody and I'll tell you. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you the question. Exactly. And that's the problem with the Democrats have when you go, oh, we don't want Biden. And who? Oh, now you're stumped. Old Ronnie boy grew up working class, went to Yale, Harvard Law, served in Iraq. Is there anything wrong with that? Probably not. Has a nice looking wife, always helps. But inside the New Yorker article, Filkins talks about DeSantis being socially awkward, aloof, doesn't look people in the eye. And he comes off as if he doesn't want to be there. Well, guess what? Who fucking cares if he can actually get things done? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want DeSantis running anything. But at this point, what are the other options here? Who exactly is going to run against Trump or DeSantis? Who is the lesser of two evils? I'm open. I'm begging the Democrats. Find someone, anyone. You see, we're not even at the midterms yet. There are already folks talking about 2024, right? President Biden already approaching 80 years old, right? Would be 82 at the time of his reelection if it were to happen. There's new conversations about Gavin Newsom going after Governor DeSantis in Florida. J.B. Pritzker getting some attention lately in Chicago. He obviously has the means to basically subsidize an entire <laughs> campaign. As you look at 2024, is the issue the message or is it the messenger? I think it's going to be a bit of both. I think people are looking for a new voice, a new new ideas, people who understand where we actually are, someone who is not appealing to times gone by, someone who is not trying to make something great again or remember when they were in the Senate and how things used to be, but someone who knows where we are in 2022 and where we need to go and has answers to those real problems. Kim, is this fundamentally a progressive versus moderate issue for the Democrats right now or maybe a generational divide? What is it? I think it's a little of all of the above. And I think that just underscores the reason for Biden, for his own political future, that he needs to do a better job of seeing that he understands uh, the fire that's down here. When people are looking for somebody else and your party is the incumbent, that's a big, big problem. And I think a, a messy primary for Democrats would also be extremely damaging in 2024. What would be best for Democrats would be a find a way to get that energy behind their president. But it doesn't seem right now, especially given the way that some of these other Democrats are essentially running for president already, that doesn't um that doesn't bode well for him the more i research ronnie some interesting things popped up in 2007 desantis went to iraq as a lawyer for seal team one at the time they were conducting operations in ramadi the seals have a reputation for being secretive and insular but desantis enjoyed their company his father told filkins in the new yorker article he worked out with them DeSantis briefed the SEALs on rules of engagement, when they could shoot, how they should treat prisoners. His father said, of course we worried about him. Ron told us he was just in one place in Ramadi, but afterwards we found out that he'd been moving all around the area, from city to city with the SEALs. Really upset my wife. That's my bad DeSantis father accent there. I mean... Let's think about this. At least you have a guy who saw the battlefield. That's admirable. And let's be clear. Fox News likes DeSantis. Rupert and his boys, it seems, have picked their horse. Fox News producers have asked DeSantis to appear at least 110 times. And he's agreed at least 34 times. They posted some 340 stories about him online. The coverage drew attention from across the country. 
So this March, DeSantis's campaign and his political action committee, friends of Ron DeSantis, reported raising $110 million. Nearly 40% of it came from out-of-state contributors, including the billionaires Peter Thiel and Ken Griffin. Imagine that, $110 million. And he's just getting started. The state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, We are not going to let this state, we're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts. And that's just really, really important. That's Governor Ron DeSantis standing up to the woke ideology taking over schools across the country and in his home state of Florida. The governor is offering a unique plan to tackle the national teacher shortage by hiring retired police officers, military veterans, and first responders. Santa says their real life experience makes these retirees a perfect fit to counter the ideology he says gets drilled into today's young minds. The governor had more to say about this a short while ago. We believe that veterans offer a lot to our communities. We wanna harness that. We wanna harness those experiences, being in those military units, understanding how to lead people, understanding how to be in difficult circumstances. And so our view is, is that you know those folks are bringing a wealth of, of experience and knowledge. We want them to look to our education system as a place where they can land and continue to serve our communities. Let's be clear. It's obvious that Ronnie doesn't need to kiss the ring of the Donald. And that is what makes him mildly interesting, for me at least. But it's obvious by some of his policies and his actions, the guy, when he campaigns, will most likely appeal to the base level, the lowest common denominator available. But who knows? Maybe Ronnie, the Yale and Harvard-educated golden boy, knows how to game the system. And he knows that maybe if he comes closer to the middle and gets out of the hard right no man's land, he could swing some Democrats or the people who just got tired of listening to a madman. Who knows? And with that, I'll let the sage words of Kanye West take us out of here. Because at this point, why the fuck not? You know, people write off the fact that I'm going to change the world. They just think it's crazy. How are you going to change the world? More. How are we going to change the world more? More. (laughs) Uh, um, Fresh air. I mean, fresh food cures cancer. I don't want to say that because they're going to, New York Times is going to take that and say he's going to cure cancer. But true enough, it's like your, your food, your diet is the the most important thing. Your livid. Yeah. Yeah, you're livid, yeah. You're, you're livid because you don't want to die. At, you, know? you are what you eat. You are what you consume. Mm. You are what you consume, not just eating. You are what you consume in any way from the people that you're around, sunlight, the type of, you know, music, the art you listen to. So uh, we're going to change everything. 